Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, The Intersection.、Uh, I am your host Zhou Fang, and we again invited our friend Rihanna here to co-host. We also have the pleasure to have our friend Kim Lavan to be on the podcast as well.、Uh, Rihanna definitely knew Kim longer than me,、um, but we were all connected, and Kim is a Meditation and self-compassion coach,、uh, and would you like to introduce yourself, Kim? Yeah, hi. Thank you for inviting me on on your podcast. It's really great to be here with both of you. So I am a mindfulness teacher, a mindful self-compassion teacher, and a coach. I never really know which which combination of words to use, but I'm all those things. And I come from a background of Behavioral change management,、um, most recently in the energy field. But my experience with mindfulness and self compassion goes way back, and that's what I'm super passionate about, as well as focusing on climate and social justice. So I incorporate mindfulness and self compassion into those those passions of mine, and I'd love to explore that a bit more <laughs> in this podcast. Is there something specifically that you're like feeling like you want to talk about right now, or what's what's new? What's like what's your focus? Well, right now I'm actually doing a training. I've done a few trainings on、um, climate and biodiversity coaching, so、okay. that's my that's at the forefront of my mind, and I'm incorporating really emotional resilience into working with clients around climate and social justice. Which is super exciting, and okay. So when the people are like sad about the their weather changing and are like, "Oh man, climate change is upon us," and we're like looking at like a ninety degree day or an eighty degree day in Portland, like sometime soon. So this this、mm. program that you're doing is like, okay, yes, things are bad, but let's be centered and like stay grounded. Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're helping folks do? Uh, yes, it's about. Helping them to manage their difficult emotions that arise from the、gotcha. the weather and the changes that we're seeing in the news headlines that、mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more around climate, and helping people to、um, see how they can actually play a role in creating、mm-hmm. positive change. Because I think people feel really helpless; they feel、sure. really sad and have a lot of anxiety or anger or grief or all sorts of things. And there's there's a kind of feeling I think that every that people think that no one else is doing anything, so they shouldn't do anything either. That, is that like the bystander type of effect? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, and a kind of defeatism and like,、yeah. well, you know, what, who am I? What can I do as an individual? But if everybody's feeling that way, and we actually start to connect with how we're feeling about it, and connect with one another, and start having more conversations, we can actually mobilize change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that you know, big government needs to do, and there's a lot of policy change. So I'm not. That's a huge part of this, but also、right. individuals can. We can all make a difference in small ways. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to feel disempowered and completely helpless、sure. about our situation. You know, we know each other because we worked at the same energy company, and. You know, people who are in that industry, like they put all of themselves in it because 
typically they believe in like lowering the impacts of climate change that we're experiencing. But it is, it does feel like sometimes you're, what you're doing is just a drop in the bucket or you're like banging your head against the wall and you're not getting, getting any further. So I think this is a really helpful place for you to put that time into like the folks who are doing the work because when they get depressed and feel defeated, like right. how can anybody else follow behind them? Right, exactly. And it helps us to remember that those sorts of jobs that we had are more than just a job. And if we stay connected to how we really feel about this kind of impending doom that a lot of us are feeling, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, yeah, that's what it feels like, impending doom. Existential crisis, right? Um, it's hard, but this is what self-compassion and mindfulness does. It helps us open to how we're really feeling and to bring some kindness and compassion to that experience so that we can stay motivated and we can stay engaged rather than doing the opposite and feeling isolated and, and helpless. Okay, so not hiding under the covers, you know, exactly. your head under the blanket. Yeah, you're, you're ripping the covers off of us. Yeah, but in a nice, in a kind way. Okay, you're folding them back gently. <laughs> yes, like like a good friend, like being there like a good friend, like that's, that's the kind of informal definition of uh, mindful self-compassion, which is the program I teach, mm-hmm. is treating ourselves just as we would treat a good friend who was struggling. I like that. I really resonate with that because very recently, more than one person mentioned it to me you know you want to be treated with respect so i feel like if we don't respect ourselves then it will be difficult to ask other people to respect us so the kind of self-compassion and self uh kind of kindness towards ourselves and treating ourselves like a friend like I will treat my friends with respect. Then, of course, right. in return, my friends should treat me with respect as well. Yeah. How do we treat ourselves just like we do to our friends and family and the self-compassion? Right. Yeah. And I think in, our, in, in sort of Western culture, at least, and I'm sure in many cultures, um, there's this attitude of, well, if we if we're being kind to ourselves in some way, it's selfish. And we have to just think of others and take care of other people. And I think that weighs heavier on women too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Women in particular, um, it's kind of um, conditioned into us that we need to be caring for other people. And the mindful self-compassion program asks, what do, what do I really need? like over and over again when we're struggling, what do I really need right now? And that actually helps us to be there for other people. Like when we resource ourselves and we actually honor our own experience and give ourselves what we need, we're actually able to show up better for other people, more fully. And yeah, to have the energy to be there for others or to have those boundaries and say no when we need to. Like that's super important as well. So it's certainly a journey that I have been on for many, many years and I'm still on. Okay. You know, I've taught this program for many years and I'm, I'm still a student, you know, as well as a teacher of the program, still learning all the time. So kind of conditioned into us not to give ourselves that same 
respect and kindness and attention that we would give to someone else. So it's, you know, I'm taking away that it's to be compassionate towards yourself, you have to be able to set and maintain boundaries. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, it can feel really icky and really hard because mm-hmm. we want to be liked. We want to be approved of. We can't have, it's, 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 it's unrealistic to expect everyone to like you all of the time, you know? So developing that self-love and that self-respect is, is so key. And then we can really show up for others and show up to the right people at the right time. So when I hear, when I think of the word boundaries, I always feel like it's kind of this last ditch effort that you need to do to protect yourself. And it's very defensive. It, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, I have boundaries and I hold to them, but it, I would never consider that practice being compassionate to myself. Hmm. You know, am I making that clear? Cause it just, you know, it, I understand the need, but I have a hard time making that connection of like, how, how am I being compassionate by, to myself by holding these boundaries? And I'm sure other people are going into, you know, are wondering how you explain that to, you know, the folks that are in your classes like that, an interesting concept. So why do you think it's not compassionate? I'm curious. Well, you know, cause it's, again, it's one of those where it does, it feels icky in some cases to throw mm-hmm. up those boundaries. And it's almost done as a, defense mechanism instead of something that's proactive Mm. and you know like I don't set boundaries unless like something's happening and I have to set a boundary and it it doesn't feel like I'm doing it as a kindness to myself necessarily more as a okay this will give me enough space so I can run and hide under my covers right but sometimes that's what we need you know it maybe it doesn't feel very um wholesome or gracious somehow but sometimes you just got to be like you just got to be fierce about it you know and be like I need you to go away I'm or you know that's me being polite you could use other words you know but I need my space don't do that to me and like that's like fierce self-compassion right there it's giving yourself what you need in the moment and I think you know, for me, I've certainly struggled with that because I, I've grown up thinking, oh, I need to be nice. I, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You know, so I've always had that conflict of, do I really want to stand up and be assertive? You know, as a woman, I think that's, that's really hard for me to do historically. But it's, it's what we need some of the time, you know. So I think you are being compassionate with yourself, Rihanna. And it, it can be hard to admit that because there are a lot of misgivings about compassion like that it's selfish or it's weak or it's a form of making excuses and and other things but it's the research that's been done around it just suggests that's not that's not true at all it's actually a form of courage and strength and resilience I feel the boundary point is interesting um I don't know if I'm explaining it uh, very well, but as we talk, I'm kind of imagining boundary as part of a space. Like in order to have our own space, we need that boundary so that our space is defined. So it's not like a restriction, but it's kind of like an invisible line that makes the space um true to us so that we can be held in this space we create for ourselves 
So it's sort of like I don't know. I'm kind of just like imagining as well, just based on my own experience. Is when I need to be held by something, not necessarily a physical thing, but if I could set some sort of boundary, then I'm creating a space for myself. Then I feel a little bit protected. Yeah. So that I feel、uh, I'm being held by this space I create, and then in that sense, I'm trying to be compassionate for myself, because the outside force cannot get in because of the space I create with the boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you have that space, you can offer yourself whatever you need. You know, you can offer yourself that. Support and sort of comfort and validation, or you can really look at what do I what do I need to to advocate for myself to maintain that boundary, and communicate that in a way that's like protecting myself or providing for myself. You know, those are all forms of self compassion, and I think you're right. We need to create that space, that safe space in ourselves. In order to to do that. Okay, so right before you were answering Joe's question, you were talking about how compassion, like how that's been used and described, is not you know it's leans towards selfish.、Mm. Can you expand then on what your definition? What so if we're we're talking compassion, what are we going to say according to、mm. Kim?、Um, sure. Yeah. Well, I will borrow the definition from. Kristen Neff and Chris Germer, who created the Mindful Self Compassion program, which is a program that I teach. Well, it really it was Kristen that came up with the three core components of self compassion, and there's mindfulness. So being aware that you're experiencing something difficult, that you're suffering in some way, because you can't treat yourself with kindness unless you know that you're struggling. So that's the first component. And then being able to offer yourself something good in response to to see, to realizing that you're struggling in some way, so that might be putting up a boundary, taking some time for yourself, and there's like all sorts of techniques and and ways of caring for ourselves that are offering kindness.、Um, and then the third component, which is really interesting, is what they call common humanity, and that's this this idea that we are all connected. And that no one is perfect. We can remind ourselves that we don't have to struggle alone. Like we don't have to feel isolated in our struggle, because everyone everyone suffers at some time in their lives, and that can help us to feel less isolated. And that because that isolation can can lead to shame around how we feel as well. So those are the three components that form self compassion. So being aware that we're struggling. Offering ourselves kindness for that struggle, and remembering that we're not alone, and that no one is perfect, and we're doing the best that we can. And then the, in, the as I mentioned already, kind of informal definition is treating yourself as you would a good friend. Right. So if you if you imagine a friend is struggling, right? First of all, you recognize that they're struggling. Otherwise, you're not going to treat them in, in a certain way, right? So you notice there's something wrong. You go to them. You offer them kind words or encouragement or You, you choose to share a fun activity together or something like that, and you're with them. You help them remember that they're not alone in their struggle as well. So it's another way of looking at it. 
Mm, that is a lot to take in, and I feel <laughs> for I feel for a lot of people, it really requires some self reflection and even some self acceptance, right? Like, cause I like even take myself as an example. I oftentimes have a hard time treating myself well or as well as I do to other people. And I don't even realize it until, like, for example, you know, if someone um, feels like stressed or doing too much work, I will be like, you need to take a break, right? Like, mm. I just say that to them, but I never do that to myself because I right. just keep going. You know, like, yeah. I'm not treating myself as kindly as I do to other people. And that's another way of that can help us when we are struggling is to ask yourself, well, what would I say to a friend right now who is struggling? Because we often treat ourselves, um, we're much more critical of ourselves typically than we are of others. Even people I'm a with- hater. I don't know about that. <laughs> exceptions for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, there, there's a general sense that, like the research shows at least, that people tend to think that self-criticism is a more effective motivator than, than self-kindness or self-compassion. Because then people will say you are just lazy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you might say it to yourself. Yeah, I, I, I do. That's actually, I do say that to myself. Right. But would you say it to someone else? I mean, Rihanna. I cannot imagine you lazy. Like, <laughs> I feel like you run circles around me and I, you know, I don't do a lot right now. I mean, I'm pretty relaxed. And if you're lazy, I don't know what that says about me. What circle of hell am I going to? Like, for sloth. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't say lazy very much. I, I actually don't use that judgment on other people mm. very much. You know, I just say, you know, people are taking care of themselves and that's a good thing. But, right. you know, the other day I was at Mount Tabor because it was a nice day. I was just chilling. And I was in my mind, I was like, why are you not working? Like, mm. this feels lazy. Yeah, I think there's a, a sense that we, we, only, we can only relax as a reward for productivity. And that's kind of bullshit, really. You know, I think it's... I think rest and relaxation is a human right and we, sh- we shouldn't have to justify doing that, taking time for ourselves, resting, relaxa- relaxing. And we do tend to suggest other people do it, but it's really hard to give it to ourselves. Well, so, yeah. like in my case, I was forced to give it to myself because at the end of last year, I mean, you both know that I just got so sick and I was sick for months and I needed surgery and I needed all this stuff. And like, I don't know if it was necessarily totally preventable, but I definitely, if I had been living my life more focused on me and my health and my needs, then 100%, it wouldn't have been as big of an issue as it ended up being, you know? And it has taken me a long time to like get my life back together and feel good physically and like clear mentally. So, you know, going through that experience, I mean, it's been really helpful for me to like recategorize like what is important here Mm. and why that, that rest is important. And so I'm trying to restructure, you know, my, my household's lives, you know, and my husband to make sure that he prioritizes his rest because he has a hard time, you know? So it's, it was really important and it's much better to like 
know about this in advance instead of having to get your ass kicked for six months. I think sometimes it takes like some serious mental or, not, or, or mental or physical health issue issues to really realize how we need to slow down and take care of ourselves and like reprioritize things. But I'm glad you got there, Rihanna. Well, and it's, I mean, part of the reason why I've been, you know, really taking my time to find my next job is because like, I don't want to rush into something where I get all wrapped up in it. And I, I have the luxury to take my time and it's acknowledging that I have the luxury and then feeling okay with it. Mm. Or I'm not just like going and grabbing and being frenetic about it, but it's okay. It's like, I'm able to talk to myself about it. And I know that it's true. Yeah, that again, that recognizing that you don't have to feel guilty for taking your time and that you are your health and your happiness is is worth prioritizing. To me, that is an act of self-compassion right there. I've actually been doing a similar thing. So I left my full-time job back in March, I think it was. And um, I took several months of just resting I mean I needed it too I was like pretty burnt out and exhausted and I needed that I needed like probably three or four months of deep rest and recovery and I I I had those feelings of like I mean I was very lucky fortunate to have that opportunity um to not have to jump right into another job but it was still really hard to I had to kind of fight that feeling of like I should be working and and that sort of guilt coming creeping in a lot of the time so I had to really stop myself and be like no you're taking care of yourself this is what you need and ultimately you're going to be a better contributing citizen to the world if you yeah exactly you know exactly well and it's you know when you say that it's just like the thing that makes me really worked up about it is like what a privilege that we have to like take this time. I would say 99% of the world right now doesn't have that privilege. And because of this, because we get to take our time and we got all this rest and are like focusing on things on a a lot clearer, we're going to be able to attain better opportunities, you know, do what we want, have more happiness. Like what about folks who just don't have that luxury? Like you don't have a job, like you don't pay your rent, you don't eat. Like think of the opportunity loss that we have if we weren't able to give, you know, everybody this opportunity, think how much better they would be. It's just so frustrating. It is. Yeah, I I was thinking about something similar too. I feel relax and rest are such a privilege um, to many people right now. Like, or many people don't have the luxury to relax or rest. You know, people like frontliners, uh, first responders, and people who, you know, um, who have family of five to feed and you know, there's no childcare, all that kind of things. And that's probably we're only talking about the United States and, you know, looking outside of the country. So, kind of like linking back to um, the beginning of our conversation, um, Kim, you said you are focusing on climate justice uh, Mm. now, you know, in your mindfulness work. So I'm curious, climate justice, I feel for the privileged, it's a given. Like they don't even know what is climate justice. 
because they always have the means to escape the injustice right. from climate change. So if we are doing the work on compassion, self-compassion, mindfulness, how do we provide access to people who don't have climate justice? And as a result, for example, you know, folks in Hawaii who just lost so much on the island, they don't experience climate justice. Mm-hmm. They lose their homes. They don't get to re- relax and re- rest. It, I know it's a very complex and overwhelming issue. So thinking, you know, in that kind of perspective, how do we practice self-compassion in that context? Yeah, there's so many ways I could take that. <laughs> um, so I'll just start and see what happens. You know, for those of us who are in a more privileged position, I still think it's really, really, we need to get better at feeling what's difficult, feeling, having compassion for those people that are really suffering so that we can not turn away from it, but to find ways to play a part in taking action around climate. So I, that has to begin, as, as I see it, with um, recognizing how, how sad and how difficult and how painful that is. Because if we just numb our feelings, we turn away from it and we can just carry on in our little bubbles, you know? You know, I mean, there's been so many headlines recently in the news with these like catastrophic weather events and it's overwhelming and it can be easy to kind of become desensitized to it and to kind of switch off from it. But it's really important that we we have some skill not to constantly be feeling it like Rihanna mentioned ripping the band-aid off earlier like I don't but getting more skillful around our own emotional intelligence so that we can recognize this is a really painful shitty situation that the world is in it's not about feeling like a victim or, or making it self-indulgent or about self-pity but it's about just being with being realistic about what's what's happening in the world so that we can take some action around it yeah, I think I like the I like that you mentioned we need to get better at feeling what is difficult. So like to me in a sense being self-compassionate um or the practice of it is one way of making ourselves a little bit more courageous and more brave. Yeah. Cuz like you said a lot of people probably choose to look away. So maybe yeah. part of the practice is to learn to be more brave. Yeah, and getting more comfortable with what's uncomfortable. We have to face up to this this reality. And, and then there are people that are, like you said, on the front lines who are, who are really making a difference. And, you know, on the front lines of climate change or social justice, they need support as well. Like they, um, or they're going to burn out. And I mean, I could include us in that, you know, working in the, the field that Rihanna and I were in if we are constantly feeling that we're in this desperate situation and there's this like never ending task ahead of us that we, the mountain that we're climbing and not really getting any higher on it, we can give up and we can burn out. So it's really important to give resources to those people on the front line 
as well. And self-compassion, mindfulness um, can really help with that too. And it's, you know, it's so funny because again, you know, I'm going back to this thing where I'm looking for a job. And one of the things that's really important to me is being able to have a job where I can come home and I'm not, I don't have that energy taken away so that I can go and give back to the causes that I'm passionate about and that I believe in. And I can again, come back and be a better citizen um, as a result. And it's just so funny, you know, having this like, oh, I've just been being good to myself. This is not a, what I would have, maybe fa- I'm glad I didn't have a definition beforehand because maybe I wouldn't have done all this stuff, you know, been so particular. Mm. Yeah. Do you think if you, if you thought it was compassionate, you might've not done it? <laughs> maybe. Oh yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I think it would, again, it would have just felt indulgent. Yeah. You know, it would have felt indulgent and it's like, well, you don't want to gap on your resume. You want to keep going. You know, it's just this grind. You don't, you, I, you know, I have this feeling where I don't want to feel not equal in my relationship. And so having all of those kind of Mm. ping pong around in my head makes it, you know, these feel like higher priorities than prioritizing myself and my well being. And that's if if it's compassionate. I wonder, and, and this is a really if big if, I wonder if it has anything to do, because all three of us here, we are all strong, independent women. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying it because it, it's true. Like, I wonder a big if, like we struggle sometimes with self-compassion, taking a break and relax. And Rihanna, you mentioned being an equal part, you know, in the household. If that has anything to do with our perception and understanding and practice of our own feminism, you know, like I, I self-identify as a feminist and a really big part of, our, of that identity is being dependent and do to yourself. I wonder if that has an impact on me for being, if I'm being compassionate to myself, if I'm being kind to myself. Does that give me an excuse to not be independent anymore? Like, like mm. a really simple example is uh, Rihanna was at my place for a party a few days ago. And at the end of it, uh, you have left Rihanna and uh, there was this big ass folding table uh, we use for catering. And we needed to carry it uh, from the backyard to my friend's car. It was heavy. And my back was hurting. And my friend was like, you don't do that yourself. And I was like, that's fine, I can do it. And they'll be like, but your back is hurting. Like, can we just help you carry this table out? And I was like, still going. I, I was carrying this table. I was like, it's fine. It's just only a few steps. And well, eventually my, my friends took over, but it was one fucking table. It wasn't a big deal, but I wouldn't let it go. So are you saying, tell me if it's, if I'm get, getting this right, like, are you saying that because you feel like you have this independence as part of your identity, that somehow self-compassion, you don't associate self-compassion with, independ- it, with independence, or you do? Not, I, I kind of feel like if I'm showing myself compassion, then that means 
am I showing weakness? Like, right. and and I'm not actively thinking or making that connection. I wonder if it was subconscious. Mm. You know, it's an underlying thing. I I'm not kidding you. I was not letting that table go. <laughs> You know, had I, mm-hmm. so if I if I handed that table to someone else and helped me, mm. does that mean I'm giving up my independence? Or are you admitting weakness? Uh, am I admitting weakness? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel it's such like it's a it's a big if like a, it's a big messy question that somehow led me to my own feminism. Well, let me ask you this: If you saw someone, another friend, struggling. With carrying a table, and it was hurting their back, and they were f- refusing to to take help. Like, how? What would you think of that? Like, would you think that was courageous of them, or? <laughs> yeah, I feel like Joe. You'd be like, "Don't be stupid." <laughs> That's what you would tell me. You would say, "Don't be stupid. Get the help." Yeah, don't be right. so stubborn. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think that we knowing when to ask for help. And admitting our own shortcomings, that we're not some like macho, you know, bodybuilder and we can't carry everything on our own, is that is actually a sign of courage to admit that vulnerability. Like we're not perfect. And in, in terms of feminism, you know, I, I wonder if we, we people that have that feminist um, identity sometimes may be trying to be perfect with it, you know. But no one is perfect. And I think um, accepting that sort of vulnerability and that softness, you know, we don't have to do it all. That's To me, that's not what feminism is about. It's Mm -hmm. about embracing our authentic self. And we have weaknesses and strength and it's all valid and it's all okay. And we, if we can relate to ourselves with kindness and self-love, which is essentially what this is all about, then then everything's fine. Rihanna's my mug says self love. I want one of those. Rihanna is holding a mug that says self love. Yeah, that's coincidence. Or is it? it? (laughs) That's what I was doing when I was looking down from the camera, just drawing that on my mug. So we're talking a lot about self compassion, how it relates to like Joe and I personally. But you're running these workshops for folks within the energy efficiency industry. You know, at the front for folks who are at the forefront of climate change. So how how do you take this message, you know, to these groups of people? Well, you know, the message of what I'm realizing as I talk more to people who are working in the field of climate change or or just climate conscious individuals, when I talk about rest in particular and the need for rest because of my own personal journey that I've been on this year, that tends to really resonate with people, especially people that are working in the field working really hard, like desperately trying to come up with the solutions, feeling the despair of it all and the impending doom, as we mentioned, the need to take a pause and take time to recover. Like even if it's just moments, it doesn't have to be weeks of going on vacation or anything like that, but it's how can we build rest into our everyday lives. That tends to really resonate with with folks that I've been that I've been working with. But it's not easy for people, which is why I tend to run these longer programs in groups so we can each kind of support each other and witness each other's experiences, which is kind of a big part of this, this work. 
to really gradually turn our attention towards ourselves with more kindness because it just doesn't happen overnight you know like there's often a lot of resistance that arises when we offer ourselves kindness and self-love especially if we're not used to it it actually there's a saying love reveals everything unlike itself so we offer ourselves kindness and it's like oh no these are all the reasons why you're not lovable or things that have happened to you in the past that prove that you should continue to criticize yourself and beat yourself up. So it takes time. And the the beautiful thing about it is when we notice that, that reaction, that self-doubt or that misgiving about self-compassion, the best response is to give yourself kindness for that struggle, for having that resistance. And so you just continue to, to turn towards yourself with kindness over and over and over again until it starts to feel good, essentially, practice. It's like the theory isn't enough on its own. It really needs to be felt in your body. I'm curious, you know, we practice until we start to feel good about it. Like, Mm. what is good? Like, we feel comforted or reassured or affirmed? It could be, yeah, it could be any of those things. I mean, what does it feel like if you're struggling... And some want a friend, you know, what are some of the ways you would want a friend to comfort you when you're struggling? Like maybe you could think of a recent example of something and a friend came over, gave you a hug, or maybe maybe think of that and see what what helped. How made you feel? Do you want to share? Does anyone want to share an example? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got my degree. I don't want to be called on like this is homework or school again. This is a workshop. <laughs> No, well, I just said you have to feel it in your body. So I'm like, well, maybe we should do that. Oh, feel good in your body. Mm. Okay. And I know if if I start, honestly, this doesn't happen very often. To feel good in my body, I would feel like these physical pain or cramps or tension being lifted from my tummy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of an example? I mean, you don't have to explain the details, but can you think of an example of something that's helped that? Either giving yourself some kindness or someone else to kind of like ease that tension in your belly? Really is when I have enough sleep. Mm. Recently, yeah. If I can, you know, have a little more sleep or have a nap or just be horizontal for a while, then mm. I feel the tension is um, reduced or lessened. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, like if I start to feel good inside my body, is that physical pain mm. lifted from my core. Sometimes we talk about, because with self-compassion, people, when they start a program, like one of my eight-week courses that I run, people are like, okay, I really want to get better at this. I'm going to fix this problem. Come on, let's, let's go. And that really isn't a very compassionate approach. So it's that's more like... <laughs> oh, like, it's like- you know, result, I honor result, result. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I honor your your intention to be kind to yourself, but the way you're going about it is kind of like hard and severe and, and kind of critical. Because if you don't manage it fast enough, you're going to be criticizing yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, how can you approach it in a way where you're just, but how, how can you approach it in a way where you're allowing your experience to be just as it is and you're softening into it? So like softening into your belly when you're feeling that tension, you know, 
allowing yourself to acknowledge, wow, I'm, I'm really tired. Maybe I should give myself a nap once in a while or every day in my, in my case, you know, um, and just shifting that, that relationship. So rather than pushing and striving, we're actually just warming, warming up our awareness and being kinder. I mean, it sounds so obvious, but it's not easy to do because of the conditioning that we've grown up with. So those folks who are like, okay, I'm going to be kind and self-compassion. Like, let's go like Mr. T style. That's how they go in week one. How are they coming out of your class or your workshops? Well, it, it can start off being painful when you start to realize how hard you've been on yourself and how it's not actually serving you. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's a little bit, it's not like a smooth linear process of, oh, this is starting to feel really nice and just gets better and better. There can initially be like a, holy fuck, what have I got myself into? This is actually quite painful. You know, like I said, you give yourself love and pain comes out kind of thing. So there can be some resistance at first and some questioning and some self-doubt. But by the end, they have developed a kinder relationship with themselves. And they're just a lot gentler towards themselves. And they have lots of different techniques. So I share a lot of like different tools for how to meet yourself with kindness when you're struggling. So they they end up with like an inner toolbox of resources that they can go to. And they've been practicing and experimenting so they know what it feels like, kind of going back to that point of like what it really feels like to give yourself compassion. And, you know, Joe mentioned the softening or, or words to that effect. And that's definitely one way of looking at it. You know, it's like when we talk about meditation, if you are an experienced mindfulness practitioner, which you might not be, but it's kind of hard to explain it because it's a it's a feeling um, and it's kind of just talking about it as a concept and through the lens of thought can kind of limit it a bit but it's a feeling of of softening of sometimes like melting rather than mining that's another phrase so like the mining is like I'm gonna get better at this but melting into it like giving yourself compassion simply because you're struggling not to try and make it go away or to fix yourself because trying to there's nothing you need fixing no one needs fixing we just need to honor and accept who we are and give ourselves kindness for who we are. And then we can change and things can heal and transform if needed. But simply just giving yourself kindness and love because life can be hard sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty transformational, I would say, for people that go through the the full program that I offer. And sometimes it takes less time. Um, it's certainly a journey. And, and then it requires continual practice as well. And what so, does continual practice look like, in your opinion? Well, it's remembering when you're struggling to give yourself compassion. And um, that can be giving yourself compassion in daily life. So that's just like self-care practices, right, that we all do, like take rest, eating well, being a friend when we're, when we're struggling or something like that. Or it could be more formal practices like, you know, there's various guided meditations, journaling exercises. There's a great exercise that I do with people around cultivating an inner, a compassionate inner dialogue. It involves writing down how your self-critic speaks to you and then how you can respond to your self-critic, recognizing that it's trying to help you in some way, even though it might not be working very well, and how beginning to replace that with a more compassionate dialogue. So, you know, that's just an example but there's many different ways and like breathe certain breathing exercises. So there's 
there is a little exercise I could actually explain to you real quick if you if you want that's quite helpful. So a self-compassion break is one really handy tool and you can do it as a guided form meditation or you can do it in like a couple of seconds really. But what it involves is naming the struggle. So you can think of an example if you like that you're actually, I won't get you to share it, but just like think of something that you're struggling with in your life right now. It could be, you know, like your dog is not house trained yet. Um, which may or may not be true for Rihanna, um, you know, anything at all, right? So something you're struggling with. And so you might say, so you recognize that, you give space for that and say, okay, this is this is actually really hard right now. Wow, this is this is really difficult. But I'm not alone in this struggle because everyone struggles at some time, puppy training or otherwise. I'm doing the best that I can and it's going to get better. I'm, I'm okay. And as I said that, you can't see me, but I'm actually putting my hand on my heart, which is another technique that we use as it's a real like known supportive supportive touch is a known scientifically proven to help calm our nervous system all mammals have this this soothing touch with their um, offspring but we can offer it to ourselves actually the soothing touch and this like kind soothing vocalization these two things are skills that all mammals use to calm their young so we can offer ourselves that so there's so there was three things in that that I did the first thing was I recognized that I was suffering. Like, this is hard. Sometimes just validating and making space for whatever's here is enough to help kind of dissipate it sometimes. So validating, this is hard. Recognizing the common humanity, like I'm not alone. No one's perfect. Everyone struggles at some time in their life. That helps to kind of reduce the isolation and reminds us that we don't have to be perfect because we often give ourselves way higher standards that we have to meet, you know, than others. And then that third piece was, offering kindness so like I'm going to get through this you're doing the best you can and offering myself that supportive touch so those those are the three components of mindful self-compassion that I mentioned earlier and you can just access that as a really in the moment practice like as you're arguing with someone in the checkout line or whatever um, you can just offer yourself that in a, in a few moments or you can say if you're in the middle middle of an argument with your partner you can be like I'm just going to go to the bathroom for a minute and just take a breath and offer yourself those, those three things. And, um, I suggest you try it and see, see what it's like. Do I have to say it out loud? No. If I'm in the bathroom, I'm mad at Jesse and I'm like, (laughs) do I need to soothe myself that way? I recommend not doing that. Okay. Okay. Just, just checking. Yeah. Just wanted to know. It's whatever works for you. And that's the other beautiful thing about this. It's like, when I'm teaching this program, it's like, just find what works for you. That practice might not work for you, but there are many other things you can do. So yeah, learning, learning the techniques that work, just like knowing what, what to do in daily life. Maybe it's having a cup of tea or watching a stupid show on Netflix. It's getting familiar with how we can support ourselves just as we would a friend. Um, I'm going to practice that for sure. Oh, good. Sure. How do people find you? I share a website with another uh, MSC teacher, MSC meaning mindful self-compassion, um, and it's called portlandselfcompassion.com. So that's where you can find information about that particular program. I'm also updating my personal website currently, so that's not that's not available yet, but it will be soon. And I'm on LinkedIn. Those are kind of the main. So the it's right portlandselfcompassion.com. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can find out like upcoming courses that I'm teaching, workshops. You can reach out to me through there if you want to have me teach a workshop or do a presentation at your 
company or something like that. Yeah, I'll include the website in the show notes. For me personally, I will be going down to California and ask you to teach me there. Yes. Well, being in nature is incredibly healing and just taking a step away from the hustle and bustle is is huge. It can be very supportive. You too, Rihanna. I want to see you down here at some point. Mm-hmm. We should drive down together. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it down there. So let's take the time.